0: Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah, and we're 220 somethings rereading our favourite childhood book, but with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing chapters 15 and 16 of Prisma of Azkaban. So grab a glass of your favourite alcoholic beverage and join us on this reminiscent journey. <laughs> <laughs> Back? Are we? Yep. Here we are. It's time. It is. How are you? What for? What? The podcast. (laughs) It's podcasting time. Is it? (laughs) stop please where am i you're embarrassing us it's time for chapter 15 the quidditch final it is great but why are you saying that we need to do that because i'm telling them what's coming up i don't know i've forgotten how to podcast i've been away one week and i forgot how to podcast i've forgotten who i am (laughs) same charlie how have you been yeah fine great you good i've been to prague you may have mentioned once or twice to you, not to the podcast. She went to Prague. There was castles. There was cheap booze. She drank absinthe. How was that? Oh, it was better than I learned something. Mm-hmm. The way we did it was a mixture of the French and the Bohemian way. Oh, the French Bohemian. The French Bohemian, if you will, the Bohemian way doesn't contain water. Oh, so it's just the absinthe and the fire. Yes, and not on a teaspoon. <laughs> no, on a slotted spoon. It's a very cool spoon. I know. Um, Amazingly, I didn't have one. One of those. No, I'm surprised at you. Anyway, thank we yous. we have the thank yous. We have to the do. thank yous. Those. Yes. Right. First up, we have three new Patreons to thank. So thank you and welcome to Melissa, Alice and Michelle, who have all joined our Patreon and are all wonderful and are supporting us so much. Remember that you guys can join our Patreon. Charlie, tell them what's over there nothing charlie it's a barren wasteland of misery charlie please <laughs> um no uh, so over on our patreon there's all kinds of hijinks there are bonus episodes you can get membership into our discord group which is basically a group chat with us and a bunch of other listeners of the podcast we have a house point system on there that we um will be introducing a new system soon as well um right now hufflepuff are in the lead by a considerable amount so yeah. if somebody s- come and help the Gryffindors. Uh, No, uh, someone come help the Slytherins. No, (laughs) any Slytherins listening to this, we're currently in second place. We need to defeat the Hufflepuffs. Also, Ravenclaw are losing by such a huge amount. If you're a Ravenclaw listener and are on the fence about signing up to Patreon, just do it to save them in the Discord. It's It's becoming an issue. Gryffindor on about like four or five thousand. Ravenclaw on five hundred. Yep. G- come help your claws. Come help. Um, so yeah, it's all fun and games over on Patreon. And then we also have some new reviews to go through. I said that really weirdly. You did. Um, I'm sorry. A big thank you to Miss Anna C L E, who says that girls are funny. Yes, we are. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, next, thank you to Lynn 121 who says she thinks we're just like real humans. <laughs> we're not. We're <laughs> actually robots. We are robots. And a big thank you to Queen Hermione who says that we point out things that they've never seen before and we crack her up cheers cheers If you'd like to leave us a review, it's very helpful and we'll shout you out. Hey all, Editing Hannah here. Just to let you know that our Goblet of Wine listener survey is still live and we'd still love your responses to help us with our podcast. Just to let you know, one of the questions we asked and some of the interesting statistics we've got back so far, we asked what Hogwarts house are you in? And at the moment, 35% of our listeners are in Hufflepuff, 26% are in Ravenclaw, 20% are in Slytherin and 18% are in Gryffindor. So if you listen and think that doesn't represent me, or I'm a Gryffindor and I need to bring those stats up, go and answer our listener survey, tell us what house you're in, and answer all the other questions. And it will be a massive help. And the link will be in the description of this episode. Charlie, what are we drinking today? I'm not at all happy about what (laughs) we're drinking today. Amanda. I love you, but go fuck yourself. Wow. Um, So today's episode is a producer-level patron alcohol episode. So if you become a producer-level patron, you get to pick our alcohol for an episode. Today's alcohol was picked by a new producer-level patron, Amanda, who we love very much. And she picked red wine and coke. As in Coca-Cola. As in Coca-Cola, yeah, sorry. We haven't taken a massive turn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so red wine mixed with Coke, which is Spanish? Spanish, maybe? I don't like red wine. I don't like any wine, as we know. Red wine is the least favourite. I'm also not that keen on Coke. I only really drink Coke as a mixer for, like, vodka. I'm hearing a lot of whinging from you and not a lot of drinking. Cheers! Um, (laughs) I smelt it earlier it smells like my mum ooh it's festive i'm so confused (laughs) i think i like it it's kind of like a mixture between sangria and mulled wine which are quite similar drinks but one's hot and one's cold it kind of tastes like that it just doesn't taste like coke or like wine i'm really so therefore do you like it it's both refreshing and festive i don't mind it good thanks amanda thank you amanda i guess i slightly forgive you at least it's not just red wine <laughs> i actually think i would help somebody sponsor us to just do a red wine no episode. someone don't, don't do chapter 15 the quidditch final yay quidditch yes we love sport i like the quidditch chapters. Okay, it leads... The chapter starts right where the last one left off with Hermione holding out Hagrid's letter. And can... I have an immediate question for oh the podcast. God. I have an immediate question. I've heard rumours that American copies of the book have the letters that people write as letters, as in, like, they, they make it look like a letter with handwriting and apparently pierce blodges where hagrid's been crying can someone confirm this i don't know if this is a complete rumor or whether because in our books the english copies letters are just written in italics Mm -hmm. aren't they They they're not they're not made to look like a letter um so can someone tell me that and if you live in a country that is isn't america tell me what your copies look like send me pictures i love that shit she does i do God, I feel like with the only Harry Potter podcast that spends such a considerable amount of time talking about the differences between different countries' editions. <laughs> Some. If I find it fascinating, someone else out there does too. Sure. So the letter says that Hagrid and Buckbeak have lost the trial and Hermione mentions an appeal and Ron immediately says that this time he'll help. Yes. It's just good. Good. The bare mm. fucking minimum. Well, ha- R- R- Harry doesn't suggest this. Harry's just like, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Harry's like, well, I've got quidditch. Yeah. I'm so... kind of busy, but Ron, I'm really busy. But, but this is Ron also Ron building the the bridge back to Hermione. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'll help. And it's one of those like moments where Ron, all of his mistakes, he still just comes through in the end. Like in the end, he makes the right Decision and yeah. him doing this then therefore Herm- leads Hermione to say sorry. Yeah, and the Fuckin crookshanks finally eating scabbers. So they both just finally do what they needed to do. They finally just communicate. Yep, yeah. and then Hermione tries to hug him. Yeah, and it's hilarious. He's just like, oh my god, a woman. Is a touching woman me. is touching me. I'll just pat her head. Draco keeps laughing at the fact that Hagrid's crying because he is a fucking cunt. <laughs> That was lovely, yeah. I mean, he is—he is horrible. He's like, absolutely horrible. That's just vile, and it, and it's horrible as well because it, like, no matter even if you really didn't like someone, they were like upset over like their pet being put to death, but like Malfoy caused the pet being put to death. it's yeah, behind the dead pet. Yeah, but like you, you wouldn't even if you didn't like someone, you wouldn't laugh about that. But I think he laughs about it because he doesn't see Hagrid as human. No like he, doesn't. He's, he, he just him calls him, like, him like, like a thing yeah he just constantly calls him like a blubbering moron and stuff like that yeah um and JK then can go fuck himself he can uh, but then the best moment of of the books happen yes hermione gets sick of it walks up to malfoy pulls out no she doesn't pull out a wand at first that's just in the films she just straight up slaps him round the face yeah she punches him. I no, wait. Does she punch him or slap him? She slaps him. It doesn't matter. It's the same. It's, it's a slap. It's, 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 uh, I love it. I love her. My notes are literally just caps lock. I love Hermione with then a love heart with Hermione written in. <laughs> and then three extra love hearts just for good luck. I also said similar things. I said that it's <laughs> like the best bit of the book. Like one of my favorite bits. However, I did want to... S- I did want to turn it on its head and get us to discuss it. Oh, God. Are you going to try and play devil's advocate? Yes, I am. Yeah, just to irritate you. So, basically, we see this as, like, a really empowering moment, Hermione. For Hermione, which is in a lot of ways. Especially because Hermione has been portrayed, like, quite differently in the books to Rod and Harry. She hasn't had her character developed anywhere near as much. She's a lot more two-dimensional. So, we kind of see it as empowering for her. Yet, is there any excuse for kind of in any way glorifying not violence but kind of physical aggression in any way and is it ever justified because yes it is all rich white men should be hit what man (laughs) wouldn't benefit from from just being slapped (laughs) some sense into every now and then but basically like okay so this move i'm kidding (laughs) obviously so obviously like this move isn't in self-defense malfoy is making no move to attack Hermione. But Hermione goes to attack him. And it is an amazing moment. But it's just this moment which is taken as like really feminist and cool. And it's not really that feminist just to hit people. We can't just go around hitting people. Have <laughs> I been doing feminism. feminism wrong? Have you been doing feminism wrong? You've just been slapping people across the face. <laughs> Only when they ask for it. <laughs> it is a good point. And when you think about like, when you were 13, you wouldn't go around school punching people. No. But saying that, this is in a world where everything is more extreme. Because yeah. they have magic, which just instantly makes the consequences of everything a lot more extreme. Yeah. So it kind of makes hitting is, like, the tame version. And in a school where they are frequently cursing each other, and Draco and his cronies, like, curse people. Yeah. Really being punched is the like pg-13 yeah all um yeah and it's also seen as like the muggle thing to do and i think this is brought up in a later book where harry and fred attack malfoy physically mm -hmm. and i actually just kind of realized it's really cool maybe that hermione goes through a physical attack before a wand attack because she's known for how intelligent she is but physically attacking malfoy is the muggle way to do it and she's muggle-born. So I kind of like that she goes back to this, like, her roots of being muggle Just <laughs> like, I'm a slapper bitch! Like, yeah. no! Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, she down to fight. And it's also, it's, when you have magic, you take away any kind of, like, physical differences. Yeah. So it's quite nice that she hits him, because she kind of almost, if she would curse him, they're sort of on more of a, like, level playing field in that. I mean, obviously she's a better witch, but there's no gender element in that. Yeah. Like, either one of them could have been better or worse, or they could have been the same. But... She she goes for hitting him where like as a man of the same age like typically he has the physical advantage like speaking typically so it's quite nice that she's like i'm actually gonna you know choose a format where you have the upper hand but i'm gonna choose that Mm -hmm. and i'm still gonna fucking hit you yeah like and i love it and i love her and violence isn't the answer <laughs> and you should not hit people unless they really really ask really, for it. really really ask for it but draco really really, fucking really asked, asked for it, it. yeah yep, exactly. exactly i also just wanted to question is this the moment ron falls in love with hermione because i think it is <laughs> Uh, quite potentially i think it's the day he falls in love with her because later on she does the whole thing in divination and then like a few days later she goes and gets the cloak from under the teacher's nose and i'm just like i think this is the moment where ron was like wow (laughs) yeah like I've, i've written in my notes later on like this is hermione's chapter yeah like this is her week like she does so much you're just like she is really fucking on one she yeah. has like stretched herself to her wits end and she just kind of snaps and yeah it's just i love her i love and her i feel like she learns a lot about herself this week and i feel like this really impacts her character going forward a where she very much does kind of lose it this week and i don't really think she ever fucking regains it yeah. like after in the best possible way where she is a lot more not erratic is the word but impulsive impulsive and badass yeah definitely <laughs> definitely and it's also just such a turning point for the reader like Hermione up until this point has been kind of typecast as as the nerdy goody two-shoes and suddenly she gets all this character development in one go and it's just fucking awesome yeah so Malfoy runs away which is the best damn thing like Amazing, They go to Charms, but Hermione disappears at the door. She was behind Harry and then suddenly she's no longer with them and she doesn't come to lunch either. This doesn't make sense. If you were using the time turner yes. to go back and take other yes. classes, yes. if you... Because Harry says that literally like they got to the doorway and she was there and then she just disappears. You would just go and do that lesson and then you would go back after and... Okay but what i'm assuming is she had to go and repeat the one before it's not about the charms lesson it's the one they were just in was care of magical creatures and at the same time with care of magical creatures let's say she has arithmancy mm-hmm. so just as she walks into charms she's like oh shit i need to go back and do arithmancy so steps back to go do that and then her present self mm. is like uh, what am i meant to be doing i've forgotten and goes up to the dormitory yeah. Maybe. Okay. I see what you mean. It doesn't make the most sense, but it, I don't think she's it, going... I think she's redoing the Care of Magical Creatures Hour and not the Charms yeah, Hour. Okay. But I still think that going through this book, it doesn't always make a lot of sense because with her constantly disappearing and Harry and Ron noticing, surely you would prioritize that you do those first. If Harry and Ron have seen you, you wouldn't then abandon knowing that they could notice something. I mean, I think you the point would, is she's like, what? Like, her brain is... But also, like, she falls asleep and that's why she misses the lessons. And this doesn't make a lot of sense to me either because if you can time travel, you can also time travel to just have more sleep. Doesn't it mention she's specifically only allowed to use it for lessons? And I think Hermione is the kind of person that would be like, I can't use it for extra sleep. McGonagall said, I can't. Yeah. I can't believe there's no point where her two selves did not cross over the same corridor. Like, I know Hogwarts is big, but... Yeah Surely there are some lessons Where she's crossing over The lines of herself Potentially yeah um, So they find her asleep In the common room And then they all go To divination Hang on Just to go back In um, charms They're learning Cheering charms oh, And yeah. it says that When they leave They're all really happy Why isn't this actually a thing I know. Imagine if you were like In a shit mood Or feeling depressed Or whatever And you could just use A cheering, cheering charm. charm And what a like, lovely spell For someone to invent Yeah But then also It's kind of dark At the same time Because like What if you were a wizard That had mental health issues and you were just using cheering charms on yourself and what kind of long-term implication would that have? I mean, I assume like a lot of things they would become... It would become less... It wouldn't work as well. If yeah. you did it continuously much like a lot of things in life it basically... The, the impact each time you do it lessens so therefore you need stronger stuff and basically comparing it to drugs. Yeah, I mean... We'll never know but it's, it's quite an interesting... Yeah, it is definitely... An interesting concept, and it's also the concept of using it on other people. Like, there's there's a danger of what if you if you lived with someone and that you were like, oh, they're sad all the time. I'm just gonna use cheering charms on them without telling them. Like, that's dodgy. You have to let people know you're doing these things. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there's definitely for a lot of things in Harry Potter, there's very odd implications if you kind of yeah really start to think about. Yeah, it's like the kind of thing you can imagine that J.K. Rowling wrote this, just thinking, oh, like it's you know, it's a charm that makes you really happy, silly and fun, and yeah. and just kind of like an offhand thing that she didn't really think about. But actually it has a lot of like implications that that kind of spell could be abused and should it be being taught to 13 year olds? Yeah. Because that's quite a major thing to be magically affecting your moods. Yeah, um, Even if it is in some short, you know, it makes you, <laughs> essentially if it's like the spell equivalent of doing a balloon, like it's still... <laughs> <laughs> the like spell equivalent of doing a belief. you know if it's that like momentary high it's still you're, you You then shouldn't be teaching it to a 13 year no. old so then they go off to divination where they are learning about crystal ball gazing uh, <laughs> Ron predicts fog <laughs> fog this is one of the best things in the book uh, where he's like I can see a load of mist it's gonna be foggy tonight I know this um, is Ron's got his very own love heart in my notes here yeah I I also wrote that Ron is on top humor form. He basically seems his humor gets loads better, like like the fog thing, when all all the trio are happy. Like his yeah. humor is so dependent on the trio's Mood, Mm -hmm. which is kind of really understandable, but the moments where he is funniest in the book is where all three of them are getting along and don't have as much to worry about. Yeah, so then Professor Trelawney claims that, by the way, I always write profty, profty, because I can't spell Trelawney, (laughs) uh, because I'm a dumb bitch that can't read. Yeah, so she claims that she can see the grim in Harry's crystal ball. Is she actually seeing serious? Or Is she no, just she's lying about him? everything. But she could actually be seeing serious. No, because we know she only has like real predictions, like twice. Yeah. I think she thinks she sees what she's seeing. But then there's a lot of these moments in divination mm. where they kind of pretend to predict stuff, and then they actually do. This is true. And there's a theory online that Ron is actually a seer. Exactly. Because he constantly makes jokes about stuff happening. Yeah. And then they end up happening. Maybe it's like that thing you were saying earlier about manifesting when you say something out loud. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but it's even like um, later on when Harry takes his divination exam. Yeah. He fake predicts Buckbeak oh, flying away. He does. So maybe, maybe, maybe they are seeing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Hermione interrupts as trelawney is about to say the grim and is like not that grim again which yeah, and she calls her ridiculous yeah um, which this is just one of the moments where i was just like hermione is on it well like, then this chapter damn girl but then trelawney claps back and calls hermione mundane. hopelessly hopelessly mundane hopelessly mundane awful awful irresponsible and unprofessional <laughs> teaching you cannot say that to a 13 year old yeah even if they're disagreeing with you you can't call someone hopelessly mundane that is a horrible thing to say but it's also like so then hermione storms out the classroom in another fantastic hermione moment and i really think like this is even more of a defining moment for hermione because she basically defies a teacher to be in charge of her own learning and that's really powerful considering that Hermione's favourite thing is education and learning and that's what she's about and she's this is where she's really starting to come into her own and question authority and we talk about this a lot throughout the books about how she's intelligent but she questions authority but we see that increase throughout the books and i think this is a really big turning moment for her questioning authority because she's like i don't believe in that teacher i want to learn what i want to learn so i'm going to leave Yes, she's also having a mental breakdown at this point and kind of needs a therapist. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So then Harry is just being a self-absorbed little shit, and I mean, kind of understandably, he's like worrying, like, can she actually see the Grim? Like, yeah. am I seeing the Grim? And he thinks to himself, the last thing he needed was a near fatal accident with the Quidditch final drawing ever nearer. Oh, because uh, he can have a near fatal accident any yeah. other time. <laughs> I was like, or at all, Harry? Like, not Harry, to quote Hermione, but you need to. Sort out your Your priorities. priorities. I'm literally quoting Ron. Oh, Ron. About Hermione. Yep. Um, So then it's the Easter holidays. I was listening to this on the Stephen Fry audiobook. Yes. And there's a line. I didn't write down what um, Seamus Finnegan says, but... Seamus Finnegan says something Stephen Fry does an Irish accent oh, yes. it is fucking hilarious <laughs> it is incredible so Ron has completely taken over the running of the Buckbeak appeal research because Hermione doesn't have time and Harry doesn't have time so Ron is an angel and steps up and I just I I hope that he learns something this book yeah about friendship yeah because he he should have done that sooner yeah, he to be honest been. terrible so everyone in brackets i've written aside from the reader is excited for quidditch i'm excited for quidditch (laughs) good for you (laughs) um everyone in gryffindor is trying to protect harry because the slither they're worried that the slytherins are going to try and attack him in in the very normal school like no what other school are they like okay like you know our football um tournament between I love you trying to explain sport right now (laughs) I don't know our football (laughs) tournament yes (laughs) like you know when when your school would play football against the other like neighbouring school and like you wouldn't there were actually sometimes some some punch-ups I mean, yeah. afterwards, though, not before. Yeah. Actually, to be fair, my dad always says about growing up, they would fight the local school. Yeah, and I so- think that was football related. And I know that because there was the one time when, so my dad's best friend, um, Rob, they've been best friends since they were like 11 and they're still best friends now. And it's yeah. super, super cute. Um, and there was a time when I got with my like um, teenage boyfriend when I was like 16 and I said, um when I first like mentioned him to Rob and I was like oh his name is blah 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 and then uh, Rob my dad's best mate was like oh uh that last name Fitzpatrick is his dad blah 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 Fitzpatrick I was like oh god oh no yes why they used to fight each other oh god <laughs> they were like teenagers i love that i was just like oh god so we used to have my school used to have another school essentially on the same street the two schools in my town were literally on the same street and they made the decision long before i joined that the schools had to have a half an hour difference in closing time to stop fights amazing like also to stop traffic with like picking it up but also one of the reasons was to try to curb as much fighting as possible so it does happen but it shouldn't happen inside schools like for god's sake exactly okay so maybe I take it back maybe this is a normal school thing what I want to know <laughs> is is this just a British thing that we do literally I like how I was other? like really judging Hogwarts and then I was like oh no actually yeah no okay people would fight each other yeah um, bundle <laughs> yes oh god I just got flashbacks. the flashbacks, the flashbacks. <laughs> um is this a British thing that apparently we all just used to fight each other or do other nationalities? Did or you something? do do you do a bundle? <laughs> do you know a bundle? Oh, I really hope other countries do bundles. <laughs> bundle! <laughs> I feel like if we ever do a meetup, we just have to yell bundle Let's see right? what happens. <laughs> we'll keep, oh, this oh, reminds me. Oh. And I um I recently re-listened to our first episode and so oh, did. Oh god, poor you. Yeah, so did. One of our patrons who then called us up on the promise that we made oh, no. in one of our first episodes. Oh no. That what? That fighting each other was gonna be a patron tip. Oh. <laughs> so actually I never agreed to this. I never sanctioned this. And uh, I run the Patreon, so it looks like it's not gonna happen. So I vote either next convention we do or next meetup. Can it be a, a, a dance fight? Would would you partake in a, a dance battle? Uh, No, I feel like you're just saying that because you used to dance and I used used to to wrestle. (laughs) I think one of us might win here. (laughs) 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 So Wood keeps repetitively reminding Harry that the Quidditch match has to be won by a margin of 200 points. Otherwise, they... (laughs) Win the match, but forfeit the tournament. Mm-hmm. And that game is, is mentioned nonsense. about 10,000 times throughout the thing. Yeah. So how many points up do they have to be? It's 200. No, have no, to- no. But as in when Harry catches the snitch. 200. No, that's including the snitch. No, Cat. no. The snitch is worth 200. They have to be... No, wait. So that means that they have to be... So, no. The- but they've got to be winning by a certain amount when Harry catches the snitch. 200. Because they need 400 points to win. I'm sure that's not right. I swear they only needed to be like 40 points up or something. No, they need to be 200 points up. That seems like a lot. Each quaffle is 10 points. But I... Sw- no, I, I don't... That's definitely not right, because I remember at some point it said about how they were like 80 versus no, 60 no, or something. No, 50. It's 50. See? You're right, because the-, the snitch is worth 150. That's how much a snitch is yeah. worth. So they have to be 50 points up. The snitch is worth 150 because they have to win by a margin of 200 points. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. Fantastic. So Harry- I wrote down, Harry stores his broomstick in the trunk. How big are trunks? That's it. That's the whole well, how house. How small are brooms? How L- long's a piece of string? We don't know that they are the size that they are in the uh Well I'm imagining films. they're not like the little They literally they could just be like <laughs> the size of your crotch. <laughs> like you can sit on them and that's it. <laughs> I imagine it's the size of, you know, your standard broom. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot the brooms are actually <laughs> You know that thing, a broom. Oh, yeah. I don't clean. (laughs) I don't think anyone cleans with a broomstick anymore. That's very true. Yeah. The poor broomstick industry. Will someone think of the workers? (laughs) What about all the brooms... Dick craftsman's the dying art of crafting a shaft. What the fuck are you talking about right now? I don't drink wine. <laughs> you to... Your glass is full. Your glass is full. I don't drink wine. Down it, bitch. No down at a fresh show. harry has a stress dream which is very relatable <laughs> uh, so he dreams that the slytherins are playing on dragons and that he's forgotten his broom so he's literally just like flying along and then he's like oh no i don't have my broom probably because no one's manufacturing them anymore they're pure <laughs> poor little broomstick craftsmen why they little why they little it's like the with the shoes and the elves that make the shoes in the night you know that story where they the the guy that makes the shoes he goes to sleep and then there's all the elves and then they make the shoes oh uh, yeah yeah it's like that but with brooms. brooms okay uh, so all of them they've died they've starved because of the dying broomstick industry so then harry doesn't have a broom and then he falls out of the sky and this is just i love it because it's just such an like actual dream i know it is because then he falls out of the sky and wakes with a jolt essentially yes um but then he wakes up and goes and looks outside to try to get back to sleep and he spots crookshanks and the grim together in the grounds i have questions yes ask them either how high up or low down is the <laughs> gryffindor common room and it's at the top how... of the tower yeah <laughs> exactly so crookshanks um, is a tiger i w- I was going to say, like, how good is Harry's vision, but the bitch has glasses, so it can't be that fucking good. Like, and it well, lo- it's not... as I have told dark. you... As I have explained to you so so many times once someone with bad eyes like puts their glasses on it's the same as yours that's why i wear them but if i was at the top of the tower and it was nighttime i could not see a cat on the ground no and i have good vision no it's a bit it's a bit unlikely it's very very far fetched yep it's almost as if <laughs> harry potter isn't real whoa It's the day of the match. (laughs) As they walk onto the pitch. I'm so excited to talk about this bit. Wait, did we even say that Crookshanks was with the dog? Yes, I just said it. Did you? Yep. As they walk onto the pitch, we get the only textual bit of evidence that tells you the size of hogwarts and its pupils are we ready to talk about this so a question that is asked a lot within the fandom is how big is hogwarts and there's a lot of discrepancy about it because if you just take the number of pupils from harry's year which is five boys five girls 10 40 in the year and then multiply it by seven years you only get i believe don't quote my maths 240 pupils however hogwarts is a massive school it seems like there's a lot more pupils and jk rowling herself has said there's around a thousand however in the text it says 200 students were beside the slytherin goalpost wearing green but three quarters of the crowd were wearing scarlet which implies 800 students cool well this question is always asked in the fandom and everyone always guesses but to me there is textual evidence yeah and around 800 students i think 800 sounds like a very reasonable amount amount. definitely and i think the whole 40 students thing in harry's year i think there's a load of pupils not named and it's a small year group yeah because everyone died because of voldemort exactly so it's in the text don't tweet us the question. So, they play quidditch and they fly about and they do I'll stuff. I'll talk about it. Um Lee <laughs> Lee Jordan is commentating in the most biased commentary ever to exist in the world. I love him. I love him. Two Snither- Slytherin are playing particularly dirty. Slytherin. Slytherin. Slytherin are playing particularly dirtily. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. And Gryffindor are retaliating. Wood gets hit by a Two bludgers. Sad. I bet he's all bloodied up and ruffled and all. Mm. Mm. Harry goes for the snitch, um, but Malfoy physically grabs the back of Harry's broom. <laughs> it, I, I have questions. Yes, because <laughs> brooms are designed to just like fly, and uh, yes. as far as we have established, weight is not an um, impact uh, on them. Uh, like, no. we, don't, we don't have it in the text. We don't have, for instance, ever Hagrid flying and saying that it's going slow or something. Uh, Hagrid can't fly a broom. That's established in the text. He's too heavy for them. They can't make a broom big enough. Mm-hmm. And it is established in the text that seekers are often small and light. Yeah. So maybe maybe it does. But to me, it shouldn't be drastic enough that simply someone else holding onto a broom... Well, would Stop it dragging yes but you couldn't drag if you were also flying in the same direction Good therefore point. draco must be holding on and flying backwards <laughs> is that possible Can you fly backwards like without like facing the other way i don't know i guess it i guess yes, it's magical it, says, it says in this text like, <coughs> at some point harry reverses yeah i just mentioned it. beep I guess like anything, Beep. but it's it's quite Beep. like then a skilled move of Draco to be holding on to something and like flying backwards it's also hands like free. A dangerous move because he doesn't know if it'll work, and if it doesn't, he will be pulled off his own broom yeah. by Marys and then fall. The man must have, re- I mean, the boy must have really strong thighs. Yeah, really like the thigh grip. Yeah. So Lee Jordan and McGonagall both swear at Malfoy in the crowd, which is the best thing mm-hmm. ever. McGonagall doesn't stop to correct Lee Jordan because she's just standing there shaking her fist. Some more match goes on. Harry goes to save Angelina because all the Slytherin players are trying to bundle her. Um, but this means that he's the wrong side of the pitch as the snitch appears and Malfoy goes for it. Yeah. Then he turns around goes for the snitch and gets it and it basically sounds like the firebolt wins because it's faster because yeah. Malfoy is far ahead but Harry still gets the snitch now I like wrote a note against this that maybe it's because Harry is also braver because he pushes the broom faster and also he takes both arms off the broom which is a very dangerous move I'm yeah. guessing whereas Malfoy doesn't do that so he he wins for that reason as well but also it's because it's, the firebolt is faster yeah and this is why they should all be on like standard Dada. fucking brooms. Yeah. Like it makes no sense. But they win! They do! And, and it's such a good moment. And Wood cries. <laughs> I know! it has got his own little love heart in my notes for this. And I love that we get like. Every character's written moment of celebration. It's like Hagrid was doing this. Ron and Hermione was doing this. McGonagall was crying into a tartan scarf. Like Mm -hmm. it feels like an end of book moment. And I think it's really great because we don't get a happy end of book moment in this book. And we never really get a happy end of book moment again. Like this book is very melancholy at the end. So I think it is really nice that we have this very happy kind of like end of book moment. To, to like see us through to the end of the book essentially chapter 16 <laughs> professor t's <laughs> prof t's prediction so it's almost exam time question surely hermione could cheat in exams with the time turner so in what way cheat so obviously she wouldn't because she's hermione mm. but um what we used to have in school is if you were in two exams at the same time yeah and so you could obviously only take one of them. Um, then obviously you would you couldn't just go back out and no, be with a bunch be kept of people. In isolation. Have, yeah, so you'd be in isolation. But Hermione has a time Turner, so she literally could like take an exam and then go back in time and tell people. Oh, you mean cheat to help other people? Yeah, or even like leave she... herself notes. Hold on, no, be that like... No, that wouldn't work. She couldn't leave herself notes because if she is present in the exam. And at the end of it, goes back in time. She can't then go back to the exam knowing the answers. If she like left? She could go back in time to the dormitory and leave a note on her bed, like this is in the exam. But then the exam would have already finished. No, because she's gone back in time. But her body still remains present. You don't lose yourself. So there are three Hermiones walking around the school. No, she could take the exam. Right. Finish the exam. Go back in time. Give herself a note saying this is in the exam. physically hand herself a note. Or like leave it on the bed because you can't see, like you shouldn't like see yourself. Ah, apart from, and this is what Neil will talk about, it's a closed loop time. Yes. So as far as we are aware, she cannot do that because everything that happens within the timeline has already happened. Okay neil will go into this in a lot more detail because it scares my brain a lot but yes i agree with you and she could definitely help other people cheat yeah but saying that it makes no sense that she's having multiple exams or i mean it kind of maybe does but also doesn't (laughs) she seems to have like a lot of exams like at the same time yeah but it's like (sighs) with we have it established that the year groups are very small Like from yeah yeah yeah, so therefore you wouldn't really probably be running the same exam twice, and if you were, it would probably be like maybe one of the more popular like core classes. But Hermione seems to be having like loads and loads of exams at the same time, be having to go back for them. Yes, but it's like Hermione wouldn't be the only person taking the same. The whole so there's a lot of holes with Hermione's timetable in the first place because it's like. Okay, so her arithmetic lessons are, like, basically always on at the same time as care of magical creatures. Are you telling me there's not a single other Gryffindor... This is my point with the taking care of magical creatures and everything. And yeah, no, yeah. it's true. It's like Hermione's the only one with this timetable. And yeah. also, if they knew this, they could just create a specialised timetable for her. Not yeah, yeah. for lessons, but for exams. Yeah, and, like, I, I buy it if it's really... Um, like small no I don't buy it when it's the small if it was a giant year group you could be like okay maybe they have two sets of each exam or two sets of each they also have each practical lesson. exams which have to be smaller yeah but it's it's small year group so you think it wouldn't be worth it surely it, the whole thing's really confusing. Yeah. I really like that Hermione has no set excuse now for when the boys ask her about these timetable clashes. Now they're speaking to each other. So Ron is like, be sure your timetable's right. You've got three exams at once. And she's just like, what? Mm, mm, it's yes. Fine. pass me a book. Yeah. Like she's just like, I can't really bothered all the You could just be like, oh, they're putting me in isolation between them yeah. and I'm doing them later. That's how they actually do it. Yeah, it, um, I love it. Yeah, so it's Buckbeak's appeal, but they've bought an executioner with them. I know, and like Ron interrupts Fudge, which is amazing to be like, but it hasn't been decided. It's the appeal, which is amazing. Also, why does the executioner have an axe? Yeah, it's, they have magic. magic. <laughs> <laughs> you can kill people with a spell and surely Avada Kedavra is more humane than than an axe yeah so why just ask fu- nearly headless nick exactly so why the fucking fuck in a magical school <laughs> magical fucking world, fuck <laughs> does the executioner kill animals with an axe maybe it's a fetish thing I, I'm really sorry that I always go to maybe, but maybe he enjoys it. Maybe. It's probably some like weird hang- wizarding hangover of like, they did that in the ancient times. Yeah. Harry has his exam with Professor T. Prof T. Prof T, um, T. And she's asking just loads of leading questions. I know. And I really get annoyed at Harry that is basically leading him to say like, yeah, Buckbeat dies to get a high mark. And Harry's like, no. No. I see him flying away. I'm like, Harry, I get that you're a good person, but just lie to get the yeah. good fucking mark. But then, surely, as then he has actually predicted him flying away, surely your divination should be marked on how much of what you say actually comes true. So surely he should get a high mark anyway. Good point. I want to know if he gets high mark. And therefore, if they predict long-term things, how does she ever prove it's right Exactly. I would just be like, I predict the... Brexit happens at some point. And then they won't be able to prove that for at least 20 years. Yeah, Yeah, no, divination is stupid. It's stupid. So he finishes up, but then as he's about to leave, Trelawney starts speaking in a deep voice with her eyes rolling into the back of her head. She talks about a servant breaking free and joining Voldemort and Voldemort returning to power. So I have a first question. Why does this prediction happen in front of Harry? Because it's an unconscious prediction from Trelawney. She doesn't Mm -hmm. realise she's doing it. And does who is being told a prophecy hold any significance? For example... Jesus, the one about Voldemort's <laughs> defeat was told to Dumbledore. So, is a prophecy prophecy unconsciously spoken through a seer to be told to the person that we could make the most use of the information? I think it must be, because okay. otherwise, the fuck is a point in a prophecy? Yeah, it's not going to be told. To, Parvati's not going to help if She tells it to Parvati, is it? <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, but Parvati's like, like, what know could you imagine but it's Pavati, isn't it, that is one of the people that believes really her. loves divination yeah could you imagine if the entire time Pro- Prof T has been making these actual predictions to her in private and actually has like fucking told her all about Horcruxes or yeah. something <laughs> and like she's like oh my god she's amazing and just like doesn't realise she's the only one, the one getting knows. this information <laughs> yeah like that's a good point so it must just be like this a prophecy is something that comes from Some sort of magic speaks through a seer. Yeah. I mean... And it's who uses that information best. Yeah. And it's... This is kind of interesting because it's like, what is there something driving that some kind of higher power or some kind of force not to be like star wars but no it's it's what what is behind that like what is making what is driving that influence because we have it a lot that there seems to be some kind of like other force that seems to be on the side of good that's kind of like in the background like you can kind of see it like influencing things particularly when you have um all the like kind of information that is and isn't coming through the centaurs mm. like you kind of get the vibe that i don't know yeah i, I see think the whole prediction thing it kind of always goes in harry's favor it's kind of the well, information the that we see there might be loads that we never see because we only see harry's point of view so of course we only see the ones that are skewed towards harry yeah but i mean in terms of like you know them being given to dumbledore and things like yeah that, you know there, it's like some higher power is making sure that Harry, like the, the good side, gets the information above Voldemort. Yeah, and I think we'll go into prophecies, and I plan to go into prophecies in a lot more detail in Book Five and Book Six when it's essentially discussed that they do not have to come true, and that is a fascinating part mm-hmm. of them because it means they have no purpose. Yep. So I, I just find them super interesting. Yeah. So they get another note that Hagrid has lost the appeal. He says don't come down, so obviously they decide to, to go, go down. down because they're the trio. Yep. yep. So they say Buckbeak is going to be executed at sunset, which is just a pretentious and inconvenient time in a world where clocks exist, so there's no fucking need to act like that. Yep. So Hermione finds scabbers in... <laughs> I feel like I said that really weirdly. Scabbers. Oh, well quickly, Hermione goes down to get the invisibility cloak, which is another awesome Hermione moment. Mm -hmm. Ron again is like, is astounded, falls in love with her. They sneak down to Hagrid's Smash a jug, smash a jug. Hagrid smashes the jug. Oh my god, my words. Hagrid smashes a jug, and yeah, Hermione finds Scabbers in another jug. Yeah. So then Scabbers is being really fucking weird. He is really frantically like trying to get away. Yeah. And he's causing... not happy to see Ron. No, he's not. He he's desperately trying to get away, and they're walking up to the castle, and he is going crazy, 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 tra- crazy, trying to get away from them. Yeah. The execution At... party are walking to Hagrid's. They're desperately trying not to be seen yep and then they hear the swish of an axe yep yeah the chapter literally ends on like that ominous swish of an axe it's it's really quite like terrifying for a children's novel to end a chapter on that it's really like yeah it's very cold to end on yeah and and it's it's terrifying thinking about harry receiving that prophecy that how must he feel because uh, he seems he, to, he, like, he, brush it off quite he, a lot, he kinda, doesn't he? He knows that Prof T is full of shit. Yes. But that so obviously wasn't her usual level of prediction he does just seem to brush it off which is a bit annoying by everything else that's going on because he yeah. seems to like remember it later in the books with Dumbledore so I think he is freaked out by it and then he gets so distracted by Buckbeak because yeah. he does care about Hagrid yeah but he only remembers later yeah. which is fair enough yeah but it is really really terrifying to think about that you've just been told that like Voldemort like might come back, back, yeah, and he doesn't have time to like process it, yeah. Um, juicy, juicy chapters. I Shit love is, it. Shit's really Shit is, starting to get real. I know this book really goes from naught to a hundred. It really it fast. does. Well, not naught. It's a great book, but all the action is kind of in the last third, and it's mm-hmm. suddenly like, wham, bam, yeah. Wham, Thank bam. you, ma'am. Yeah. Thank I, you, ma'am. Yeah. For for joining in with this episode. Yes. Thank you for listening um this was fun it was i yeah i'm so excited for the next chapter especially because we got a really exciting guest Uh, yeah so thank you so much for listening (laughs) um we will see you next time bye guys bye Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To keep up with us in between episodes you can find us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod on Instagram at Goblet of Wine Podcast and on our website at www.gobletofwine.co.uk You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or on Facebook. Thank you so much to our producer level patrons Amanda, Sandra and Danny for their help supporting this podcast. If you'd like to support us as well as gaining access to behind the scenes content and bonus episodes check out our Patreon on patreon.com slash wine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.